At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Covering the sports betting landscape from coast to coast, this is Betting Across America with Mike Pritchard and Josh Applebaum on VSIN, the sports betting network. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome into the program. It is Betting Across America, and we are presented by BetMGM. I'm Mike Pritchard. I'm your host from Las Vegas. Your other host is Across America out there in Boston. It's Josh Applebaum. Good afternoon, Josh. Excited to talk to our buddy Adam Burke today. Adam Burke Day. We'll talk MLB totals and win yeah. totals and divisions and futures bets. Adam's been doing a great job with these breakdowns for each division and each team in the Visa newsletter. Uh, of course, Pritch, we got to talk, you know, Final Four. There's some movement that's been taking place. Tiny little bit of, you know, subtle movement here. Okay. I just placed my first Final Four bet, so we'll, we'll talk about that one. Uh, but, Pritch, I got to lead off with some news about Kansas. Now, we were talking yesterday Kansas in the final four, maybe having some value at plus 180 to cut down the nets. Obviously, you have the injury there to Nova, uh, but plus 180 was a little appetizing. Well, guess what? Sports betting legalization. Some great news out of Kansas today. There was a vote in the Kansas House. It went 88 to 36 in favor of legalized mobile betting. So Kansas is taking another big step here. They have to go to the, you know, from the House now to the Senate mm-hmm. and get the bills, you know, um, kind of modified and ratified. But we could have a new state with legalized betting, which is great news because uh, there's kind of a friendly competition between Kansas and Missouri. Same part of the country there, but they're both kind of being trying to be the first to legalize betting uh, and kind of corner the market there. So if Kansas legalizes, good sign that Missouri could be right, right. behind them, Fritch. And by the way, Ozark, one of my favorite TV shows, is coming <laughs> up uh, later this month. So uh, maybe, uh, maybe the but you know Wendy Bird and Marty Bird will get in on this sports betting legalization in that part of the state. Yeah, I hear you, Josh. Uh, looking forward to a lot of things from uh, uh, those two states right there. Your state too. Like, when are they going to get their uh, act together out there? So, Prish, to be honest with you, I'm not a big tweeter, but I just kind of went off on Twitter earlier today because I read an article in the Boston Globe, and the title was basically, no one's against legalizing uh, betting in Massachusetts, so why hasn't it happened yet? And there was a quote from the Senate leader saying, uh, well, it's not a big priority. we got to do child care, climate change, uh, all these other things. And I was basically saying, newsflash, you legalize betting, you can use the money to fund the things that you want to get accomplished there. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, uh, at some point, it does happen, Pritch. Uh, I'm not going to bide my time anymore. Just wake me up when it happens. I'm sick of you know Lucy in the football thinking it's going to happen and then it's delayed. But hopefully, Massachusetts, let's get this thing done. All right. Let's get to some teachable moment times here, Josh. Uh, and let's feature the NBA uh, because we had a great game, Milwaukee uh, and Philly. We talked about that game. It closed out a pick at the South Point. I, I think uh, uh, you look at the dog situation, too, in this one, uh, as Milwaukee was at one point. Dog is some places uh, closed there, but uh, they get the job done. Incredible action, an incredible game, incredible finish right there, too, but the standings, uh, some movement right there. We talked about other teams in the East avoiding losing streaks. I think right now Philly's on a two-game losing streak, uh, but what about the motivation standpoint and looking at the Bucks? Uh, they look incredible right now. You're looking at the odds too to get the number one seed uh, the east is now off the board yes and Pritch this is a game we talked about yesterday how important that was for Milwaukee because with that win and we talked about how there was a lot of sharp movement there toward Milwaukee going from you know getting two and a half points getting three down to a pick them and at one point I think when we were doing the show it was like three down to one mm-hmm. so the fact that it went 
further to a pick em was evidence of a lot of money coming in on Milwaukee. Uh, the over also hit. We talked about that. That was like a 228 up to around a 232. Uh, you hit the over in that one. But I think the point there was, you know, if Milwaukee can get that win, you simultaneously help your team and you hurt Philadelphia, who's right. one of your main competitors here. So, you know, uh, we were talking on the show yesterday. I think Milwaukee was plus 600 to be the number one overall seed uh, in the East. So you're feeling good about that right now. The standings right now are, you know, Milwaukee only trailing Miami by a half game here. And we'll get to the Celtics game tonight, big Celtics heat game tonight, where you've kind of seen a line freeze or a little move around five and a half to five down to Miami. So again, it's kind of, you know, trying to read the tea leaves, you know, kind of look at, you know, game theory. If this team wins, does it help or hurt the other team? But Milwaukee, if you did jump on what we talked about yesterday, plus 600, you're feeling pretty good. And now it's off the board. What does that tell you? Books are kind of reluctant to put that number back out there. Yeah. And then the other end of the spectrum uh, here, Josh, is the Lakers uh, in the magic. I, I mean, that was a joke of the game. I, I think I watched that game maybe 25 seconds. <laughs> 25 seconds I invested my time with that matchup right there. But, uh, you know, if the Lakers are not going to be interested uh, in a play-in situation, why should I as a better? I mean, you can win money on them if you fade them maybe. Uh, but what do you think? Uh, what's going on with the Lakers and, and some betting angles that we could highlight here? Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's probably obvious, but betting against the Lakers has been really <laughs> profitable this year. And a team that we went into the year kind of saying, hey – uh, the age and kind of the how old their roster was is going to catch up to them. And uh, it really has. Obviously, you know, the trade you make for Westbrook, for Kuzma and other parts, you probably would rather, ha you know, have that one back. Kuzma's had a better year than Westbrook, obviously. Don't call him Westbrook, though, Pritch. You're going to get in trouble. He's going to take you out in the <laughs> oh, stands. He'll be okay. Though, that. He'll be okay. <laughs> He's going to get $41, $47 million next year. He'll be fine. Call him Westbrook all you want. And I like it, too, how he was like, oh, you know, my son's being, you know, I don't want my son to have the legacy yeah. of Westbrook. It's like, he's going to be fine with $40 million in his trust fund, right. so I think that'll be okay. But uh, to your point, Pritch, betting against the Lakers has been profitable. Uh, LeBron obviously having a really good year, but um, again, what hurt me last night, I had the under in that game. Obviously, it sails over, but I think that's the way to play the Lakers is, is betting their overs. They play no defense at all. Their defensive efficiency is very porous. They score. They give up a ton. Something to keep an eye out moving forward. And I would say, Pritch, remember that Jazz Clippers game from last night? We were seeing kind of that mm -hmm. dog-to-fave move there toward the Jazz. And then, of course, this is why NBA is maddening. Paul George ends up playing. <laughs> the line gets back down to a pick. But then you had the line go back up to Jazz, uh, like minus two, minus two and a half. So I money-lined um, the Jazz when they were around a pick-em number or a minus one. Uh, and what happens, Pritch? You're up by 25. I'm feeling good. I take Meadow out for a walk. I come back. They lose the game. So, again, NBA is very difficult. To me, it's the hardest sport to bet consistently at and consistently win at of any sport right now. Yeah, we talked about that game and, you know, how much of a lift would PG provide. And, obviously, they got that comeback. It was incredible uh, to watch that game right there. Let's welcome in our guest, Adam Burke, uh, VSIN Daily Newsletter writer, Point Spread Weekly contributor. You can follow Adam on Twitter at Skating Tripods as well. Adam, how are you? I'm good. It's been busy, man. Finishing up that Major League Baseball betting guide over at vston.com. Major push, very quick turnaround coming out of March Madness, but happy to be here to talk some college hoops and some baseball. Yeah, we're going to get to that Major League Baseball guide, the digital guide uh, that you mentioned right there, but got to get your thoughts on the Final Four, the matchups. Surprise, surprise, the committee uh, got these outstanding matchups in the Final Four. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, look, obviously the big surprise is North Carolina coming through the bracket as a number eight seed. But, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, we saw this North Carolina team play really well mm -hmm. throughout the second half of the year. The interesting thing for them is that when they've lost, they've gotten blown out. They haven't played a lot of close losses. They haven't had to worry about that so far in the tournament by winning every game. Right. But that's kind of the question is when things start to go sour for them, and if they do here in this game against Duke, 
Do they respond? Are they able to keep it close? Because that's been the hardship for them throughout the season. Adam, it's great to see you. Great to talk some baseball and Final Four and everything. And highly recommend everyone check out Beeson.com and uh, what Adam's been doing with these breakdowns in baseball. It's fantastic. You're giving Greg Hoops-Peterson a run for his money when he did the 300 previews there for college basketball. So check it out, Beeson.com. But Adam, I wanted to kind of get your take on Nova, Kansas. You know, we've seen early movement toward, uh, you know, toward Kansas here. They open laying three and a half. They're up to four and a half. I feel like this is kind of the as far as the odds makers are willing to go. I don't know if it gets to five. You're seeing a hint that it might get down to four, uh, down to four. But at BetMGM, only 28% of bets are on Nova. It feels like everyone's just dismissing them because of that injury to more. Do you feel like there's any value if you can, you know, get the hook and does it fall to four that we can bank on Jay Wright, the experience and Gillespie and their great free throw shooting? Any interest in maybe plus four and a half with Nova here? You know, I think this is a really difficult game because you've got Justin Moore who got hurt at the tail end of that last game for Villanova. And the thing about Villanova, as good as they are, they only run six deep. So now they're going to run five deep. And so those guys are going to have to play the whole game. And I think what's going to be really interesting to watch in this one is the pace war because Kansas likes to push the tempo. They're a top 75 team in adjusted tempo. Villanova is one of the slowest teams in the country, and they played their last game against Houston to 58 possessions. That's the kind of game they want to try to play against Kansas here. I don't know if Kansas allows them to do that. Kansas will try to get out in transition, will try to speed this game up a little bit, tire out that Villanova team that doesn't have a whole lot of depth. That's what I want to see. And so I think it's really difficult to make a pre-flop bet on this game. But when you watch it and you start to see, you know, is Kansas pushing the pace? Is Villanova getting caught up in it? Or are they able to slow this game down? I think it's going to give us a better indication of how the game's going to play out. So for me at this point in time, I would lean with Villanova because this line is obviously inflated or adjusted, I should say, with the more injury. But I just want to see how this game starts out and see you know, which team kind of dictates the pace. Yeah, pregame uh, total right there, 133. Let's get to the other matchup, uh, Carolina and Duke. Uh, similar, Duke plays with a shorter rotation. They rotate six guys in there, but bulk of their minutes are with their top five. Uh, my question to you, though, is – with both games, really, when you think about fouls, I've been alluding to this a little bit, uh, can pace or can style of play dictate? Like, can UNC be able to dictate to Duke and perhaps get some of those players uh, in foul trouble? Yeah, it's certainly a possibility. I mean, North Carolina is a very, very physical team. As we know, they do very well on the glass, and that could get Duke into some foul trouble. As far as tempo goes, I think Duke's fine with this game being played at a quick pace. They're an outstanding offensive efficiency team, both from two and from three. They're now number one in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency with Purdue out of the NCAA tournament. I don't think Duke has a problem if this is a high-scoring game. I think they kind of prefer a high-scoring game, actually. North Carolina is a good three-point shooting team. We saw that play out in the regular season finale in Durham, Coach K's last game. But what really stands out to me about this one, Pritch, is this number was 11.5 in that final regular season game at Cameron Indoor. Home field or home court is not worth seven and a half points. Mm -hmm. I think this line's been over adjusted a little bit. I do like Duke minus the four in this game, and I do think that Coach K gets what he wants in his last season. Yeah, how about that? The story of Coach K continues, continues, and I want to get your thoughts on who's going to cut down the nets uh, after this break. But I want to remind everybody that uh, it's time to get into BetMGM Sports Nevada, the premier sports betting app. BetMGM is all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Just download the app today and stop by. 
buy any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID. Open an account. Start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. You're going to love the state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be at least 21 years or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-522-4700. When we continue the program, we're going to get Adam Burke and his thoughts on who cuts down the nets uh, with the Final Four rapidly approaching. And then also we'll feature the Major League Baseball betting guide, the digital guide. We'll get to all that coming up next. Wendy's Breakfast is the official breakfast of March Madness. Every day, choose from Wendy's stacked starting lineup like the breakfast Baconator, croissant combos, and hot or cold coffee. And like any great team, Wendy's is bringing the breakfast legends. Oven-baked sizzling bacon, fresh cracked eggs, perfectly seasoned breakfast potatoes, and a Simply OJ to bring it all home. Make a fast break to your nearest Wendy's drive-thru and pick up your Wendy's breakfast, the official breakfast of March Madness. Madness. Choose Wendy's. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. Welcome back to the show. It's Betting Across America. Mike Pritchard, Josh Applebaum, Adam Burke with you in studio. So, Josh, I'm going to ask you who you think Adam Burke is going to select to cut down the nets here coming up on Monday night. Oh, so let me think about this one. Obviously, we do have, you know, the favorite here, uh, you know, looking at uh, with Duke and Kansas plus 180. I don't know, Adam, I'm leaning Kansas plus 180, but you tell me who your favorite is. Yeah, I I would say Kansas here. Look, you know, and and Gil Alexander talks about this all the time on a numbers game. There are certain teams that fit a criteria that win a championship, and one of them is being top 25 in both adjusted offensive and defensive efficiency. The only team left standing right now that's in the top 15 in both of those categories is Kansas. Mm-hmm. And I do think that Kansas's defense would be the difference on Monday night, probably against Duke, would be the difference against North Carolina as well. So I think it's Kansas at this point in time. And, you know, look, props to everybody here at the network, by the way, where we all isolated the fact that Kansas had maybe the easiest path to the Final Four of any number one seed we've seen in a while. And a lot of us had a piece to them to win that region, and certainly here they are. Yeah, I mean, it really is incredible, too. But Duke's a favorite, plus 155. They have elevated themselves tremendously throughout this tournament. Uh, no no shot. Uh, Are you thinking Duke, then? Well, I sprinkled a little bit on Duke okay. a, a while ago. So um, well, I'm rooting for him. But I, I have to agree with you in terms of Kansas having the easiest path uh, at this point, too, because of Nova and the injury right there to Moore. We talked about that already. Um, but I don't know. The, the whole Coach K narrative is pretty strong right now. <laughs> It is. It, that's something that, you know, you you worry about. I mean, look, I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not going to put a tinfoil hat on here. But at the same time, like, you know, you, you know it's in the back of those officials' minds. You, you know, and Duke's always gotten a friendly whistle. So it, it's a possibility. I hope it doesn't happen. Mm. But the officiating has been awful in this tournament throughout anyway. Yeah, and Adam, you know, before we switch to baseball, because I got a, lot, got a lot of questions for you for baseball, any interest in maybe the under in that Duke-UNC game? I know these are high-powered offenses, but uh, number one, I'm looking at a lot of percentages from BetMGM. Right now, again, it's not very public yet. Public's going to come in, you know, Friday, Saturday. 
but 68% of bets on the under, 82% of money on the under. Unders are on an 11-1 run over the Sweet 16 and uh, Elite 8 here. They're about 56% in March Madness. And even though you've kind of opened 151, you've stayed where you're at. Hasn't really moved at all. So I'm maybe leaning under 151. Any thoughts on that total there? I would say this. I think if you want to take any portion of the under in this game, it would probably be a first half under with nerves, with everyone kind of being a little bit tight. Also, too, I mean, this this is being played in the Superdome. I mean, this is not a traditional basketball arena at all. It is just a deep, cavernous kind of place to play a basketball game. Generally speaking, the bigger the arena, the tougher it is to score, the tougher it is to shoot, and all of that. Maybe there's an adjustment period for these two teams in the first half. I think that's a possibility, but what worries me is the tempo of this game could be very quick. Yeah, I was at the Superdome when Chris Webber called timeout and didn't have one. I was at that Final Four, uh, and you're right about the sight lines uh, there at the Superdome. Um, let's get to the Major League Baseball betting guide. It's out now online, vcin.com. Uh, you're the contributor for this uh, digital guide. It's incredible. We're going to feature the AL East here. Uh, the win totals are off the charts for the Blue Jays, 92.5. You got the Yankees at 91.5, too. Uh, and then the Blue Jays, I mean, excuse me, the Tampa Bay uh, Rays here at 89.5. Uh, Red Sox, the surprise team last year, 85.5. And the Orioles, still the Orioles at 62.5. Yeah, poor Baltimore. I, I feel so bad for them being stuck in the AL East. There's just nothing they can do about it, and they'll never be able to spend the way that some of these other teams are able yeah. to right now. Uh, yeah, so far the AL East posted over at vston.com. As you said, this is an all-digital guide over on the website. AL Central team previews come out tomorrow, AL West the day after, so on and so forth, as we go all the way through Monday uh, with these team previews. As far as the AL East goes, something that really jumped off the page to me here is, and as you see on the screen there, the Rays at 14 to 1. There are some better prices out there in the market. I've seen 17 to 1 to win the World Series. The Rays are extremely deep. And one of the things I've talked about on segments here on this show already in the lead up to the season is that pitching depth is critically important this year. And Tampa Bay, now they did lose Pete Fairbanks. He's going to be out a couple of months. He was their closer, high-leverage reliever. But Tampa Bay is a team that has about 11, 10 or 11 above-average pitchers. And pitching depth is going to be so important because the starters aren't stretched out yet, and teams are going to have to really watch the innings workloads for these guys late in the year. So teams that have a lot of depth have the opportunity to be really, really good this year. I think the Rays have the most pitching depth of anybody in this division, and I think that they have a chance to win it there. I'd like a little bit better than plus 240, so shop around as always. But I think a 17-1, to 16-1 type ticket on the Rays is not a bad idea to win the World Series because I think they are one of the six playoff teams in the AL, and I would take them against anybody in the, div or anybody in the league once they get to the postseason because of that pitching depth. Adam, I'm right there with you. You know, I'm actually looking at some of the Rays' numbers here. If you go over the last four years, listen to what they've done in terms of a win total. So, spoiler, I'm looking at that over 89.5 with Tampa Bay. Last year, you go 162. You win 100 games. The pandemic year, they went 40-20. and 20. If you extrapolate that to a 162-game season, that would equate to 108 wins. 2019, they go 96 and 66. 2018, they go 90 and 72. So if you look at the last four years, they're averaging about 98 wins. And again, they're not sexy. They're not flashy. They got a lot of guys you never heard of. Wander Franco, Franco though, who they actually spent money on and continued to be, uh, I think, one of the best young players in baseball. I guess my whole point here, Adam, is, and you, you hit on it uh, already, but talk me off the ledge with that over 89 and a half. I, to me, that's kind of a low number. And it's just like, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. How many years do you see the Rays win 90 plus games and you doubt them, but they do it every time? I'm thinking that over 89 and a half has some value. Yeah, I can't talk you out of this one, Josh. And, and over 89 and a half is something that I am looking at quite a bit as well. And, and look, you know, 
I don't want to go too deep into detail here, and you can read about the Rays preview over at vston.com, but they're the kind of team where they play a different style, whether they're at home or on the road. At home, they try to walk a little bit more. It's a bad park factor for offense. So they play a lot of close games, which allows their pitching to play up, and then on the road, they get more aggressive offensively. They were one of the best road offenses in Major League Baseball last year. They're able to do that because they're so smart, because they've isolated the ability to have some kind of edge over everybody else in the league, over everybody else in the division. That's why, as Josh said, they have a lot of guys that aren't household names, but they win a ton of games. It's because they're the smartest organization, maybe not even just in baseball, but possibly in all sport because of their financial constraints and what they're able to achieve. But they play a different style at home or on the road, and it gives them the opportunity to be really, really good, and I expect them to be really good here again. Yeah, how about this? Uh, taking a look at the new faces, too, uh, in this division. I mean, Chapman and Gosman up there with Toronto. Uh, Kluber, Tampa Bay. Trevor Story, interesting, going to the Sox uh, a little bit, I, I think. You know, the, the Sox had a chance, I guess, to be consistent, even that they had the surprise last year. Uh, but even the Yankees, at 91.5 win total, uh, plus 230 uh, for the division, each and every year, you depend on the Yankees to do something to impact their squad, I would think. But uh, the preview, uh, certainly, Adam, to start the year, uh, they're always going to have that potent lineup, but everybody else does in that division as well. Right, and I think a big problem for the Yankees here is you don't really know what you're going to get from the pitching staff. Mm -hmm. I mean, Garrett Cole, after they took his sticky substances away, he was a pretty pedestrian pitcher. I mean, he certainly wasn't the dominant guy that we've seen for a long period of time. Luis Severino's effectively missed the last two years. Now he missed a start yesterday in spring training as well. They said it was just precautionary, but that's a guy you don't want to rely on for too long. Jamison Tyon, he's had Tommy John surgery twice. Nestor Cortez is going from kind of a swingman role to being in the rotation. Look, great bullpen. Lineup has a chance to be really, really good, but their starting staff does concern me quite a bit, and that is a very high win total at 91.5. Real quick on the Red Sox here, they are a bad defensive infield. Trevor Story will help that, but I think it's a mistake to put Trevor Story at second as opposed to at short. I would put Xander Bogarts over at second because Rafael Devers, who had a phenomenal offensive season last year, is a terrible defensive third baseman. So they really hurt themselves on defense when they play in a park where offense, it's basically Coors Field on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. So the problem for Boston is they have to outscore everybody because I think they're going to have problems keeping teams off the scoreboard. So that's what worries me about Boston. I think they have potential to go over that 85-and-a-half number, could maybe be the second wild card to come out of this division or possibly the third wild card to come out of this division. But for me, I think it's just really tough to project Boston because they're so good offensively but have these other deficiencies. Adam, I think you're totally spot on. When I was out there in Vegas, uh, Steph, our producer at Beeson, we're both from Massachusetts. We took the over 85 and a half, a bit of a homer play, so I am rooting for that. But to your point, I think that story signing is kind of the Red Sox covering their bases uh, with Xander Bogarts. He has an opt-out at the end of this year. Does he leave? And then you can put story to short. Maybe that's part of the reasoning here. Adam, I wanted to congratulate you. I don't know if I'm breaking any news right here, but you, uh, our producer Ben Wilson and Josh Towers are going to have a new VEASAN show called The Run Line, which is a fantastic name for a baseball betting show. So tell me, will, will I hear the word steam? Will we hear windy unders? Uh, will, will t tell me what I'm expected to look for for that show. I'm excited for you. Yeah, I think it's going to be really great. I mean, I'm somebody who uses a lot of these stats and the advanced metrics that are out there, so I'm happy to bring those to a broader audience, and I feel like I'm very good at explaining those in a way that people can understand easily. Great to do a show with Ben Wilson. A uh, big fan of his work as well. It should be a lot of fun, and definitely looking forward to that on Sunday nights here from 8 to 10 Eastern time. We will be in great hands uh, with you breaking down baseball games. Great job today. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Good seeing you guys. You too, absolutely. Adam Burke.
of East End Newsletter writer. Coming up next on the program, we get back to the NBA and college hoops as well. That's next. This is Betting Across America with Mike Pritchard and Josh Applebaum on VSIN, the sports betting network. This segment of Betting Across America is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties, and they come in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen, which is America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide. Visit zen.com find to locate a store near you. That's zyn.com find. Warning. This product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Welcome back to the show. It's Betting Across America. Mike Pritchard, Josh Applebaum. Uh, Josh, the NBA and the Eastern Conference, highly intriguing. A big game, the Heat and the Celtics. I like when we have these kind of games out down the stretch here. Uh, we're going to show you the line here on the board. There's been a, a little movement. Uh, the Celtics really strong at home. They're laying five. 213 and a half is a total expecting Tatum and Brown back tonight in their matchup against the Heat. Yeah, I think so, Pritch. That's kind of what you're seeing in the betting market. And by the way, as a Celtics fan, got some really good news today. Robert Williams with, with his torn meniscus, he had surgery today. He's going to be out about four to six weeks. So uh, with the Celtics, you never know with these injuries. They told me back in the day, the Kevin Garnett year, when they should have gone back to back, that he was going to be day to day. He ends up missing the, the end of the regular season. So we'll see how that kind of plays out. But at least Robert Williams expected to come back maybe in the second round of the playoffs. So Pritch, this is a weird one to me. Like early on, I was really leaning the Miami Heat. You know, a lot of these books open like, you know, around five. It got down to, I believe, like four and a half earlier uh, today, earlier or late morning, early afternoon. And then kind of with the thought of, you know, hey, what's the deal? No Robert Williams, but, you know, Tatum and Brown, who missed the last game against Toronto, even though the Celtics backup still covered the number. They were kind of questionable, and it sounds like based on this line move that they'll be good to go tonight, which is why you saw this line get back up to around five and a half. So somewhat of a line freeze. It's kind of 50-50 betting slightly with the Celtics. You know, if you're making me pick a side, I'd lean heat a little bit here as a contrarian play with kind of a line freeze. And Pritch, I'm worried that the total has fallen so much, but it's hard not to like this under. It opened at 215. It's up to it's down to 213 and a half. And these are two of the best defensive efficiency teams in the NBA. So do we get, you know, kind of this, you know, uh, you know, 101 to 97 type game? Uh, Celtics have been scoring a lot lately, but now you're missing Robert Williams, who's a huge part of their offense, uh, not only with his thunderous dunks, but really moving the ball and, and creating space for other players. So I lean a little bit to the under, I lean a little bit heat. Uh, and again, this is another big game, kind of like last night with the Bucks and the Sixers, that has big implications for who's going to get that one seed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll see how they function without Robert Williams that way and also Tatum and Brown back uh, into the lineup. 26-12 uh, and 12 at home, though, for Boston. Uh, and also from an ATS standpoint, Miami, even though they're one of these uh, better defense, defensive efficiency teams, Josh, I mean, the last 10 games, two of eight uh, ATS. And then you got the Celtics, seven and three ATS. Yeah, and again, you look at the Heat, uh, you know, 41 and 34 against the spread. They've been great all year on the road, as you mentioned, Pritch, 22 and 14 against the spread. The now, 10, I'm thinking, yeah, and they've been great covering these numbers. Maybe that fight between, uh, you know, uh, your <laughs> old guy there, Haslam and, and Jimmy Butler, maybe that lit a fire under this team a little bit. I, can you imagine Pat Riley coming down from the luxury suite and <sighs> being like, guys, guys, let's, let's, let's figure this thing out. We got bigger aspirations here. But I would say, Pritch, as I look deeper into this game, maybe this move to the Celtics, it's not just Brown and Tatum playing. Mm -hmm. 
But Duncan Robinson is questionable. Okay. Uh, Caleb Martin and Gabe Vincent. I know these aren't huge names. Robinson, obviously, is more well, the most important guy here. But if they're questionable, do they not play? And you have Brown and Tatum playing. Maybe this is another injury-based play that really drives me nuts when you're trying to bet NBA. Uh, unlike NHL or college basketball, you kind of know and expect everyone to play NBA. It's really difficult. So, Pritch, I might have to institute that 6 p.m. rule moving forward. It's tough to break down these games with all these moving parts, upgraded to probable, downgraded to doubtful. Really throws a wrench into your handicap. It does, but I think the motivation is going to be there. You just talked about the number one seed perhaps uh, up for grabs right right there in the conference. But uh, how about this next matchup? Because you got the T-Wolves, Timberwolves, uh, currently in a play-in situation. Uh, fighting it out with the Nuggets, and then you have the Raptors uh, trying to avoid the playing situation uh, game ahead of Cleveland, too. So now you got these two teams matching up. Uh, motivation, again, is not going to be a factor at all, I don't believe. Uh, right now we're going to show on the board minus three for the Raptors, 229 is a total. Yeah, so this was an official play for me on my podcast. Talked about it earlier on Market Insights, but give me the T-Wolves plus three in this matchup. Now, if you look at kind of where this opened and how it moved, it opened as high as around Raptors lane four, got down to three. We're showing three on our board, Pritch, but a lot of these books are now down to two and a half. So uh, again, you're getting kind of the worst of it with the Timberwolves right now. I'd wait it out, see if you can get that three. But to me, Minnesota plus three was a play. Number one, you're kind of really buying low on Minnesota. They've been a good, really good team this year. Kind of surprisingly, you've been waiting and waiting for a decade here. I know our guy Ben Fox is a Minnesota fan, but uh, 43 and 33 straight up, 43, uh, 42 and 33 in one ATS. They've won a lot of games. They've covered a lot of numbers. And I think they're in a really good buy low spot tonight where, again, number one, the line's going in their favor, four down to three and now down to two and a half. But they're coming off a loss to my Celtics. They're one and three their last four. You flip it the other way, Toronto has won three straight. So I kind of like betting against that Raptors team that's done well, buying low on Minnesota in this spot. And then also, Pritch, um, this is kind of a tough schedule spot for Toronto. It's their third game in five days. Minnesota's rested, haven't played since the 27th. Offensive efficiency, Minnesota is a top 10 team in the NBA. Uh, and again, you're buying low on Minnesota struggling recently. So recency bias would probably be in, in the public's mind in favor of the Raptors against the T-Wolves. But again, the great equalizer, what is the market telling us? The line's going to the T-Wolves. So if you can still find a three, I don't know if there's any out there, but I took Minnesota plus three. There's one out here at the South Point. <laughs> That's the one we have. There on we board go. Right don't there. have to go too far, Chris. Sure, yeah. not at all. Uh, 118 points a game right now down the stretch here. The last five games for Minnesota, really, uh, really good uh, young uh, basketball team right there, Josh. Uh, some other best bets uh, that perhaps you highlighted on your podcast. Again, you can catch that Market Insights podcast each and every day uh, when it comes to the NBA. Yeah, so I'll throw a couple at you, Pritch. I money line the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, the Hornets are on the road at the Knicks today. Uh, Knicks have a you know tough injury here with Evan Fournier. He's going to miss the game. Sharpshooter for them, a guy who they rely on for a lot of offense. Uh, Charlotte open as low as like a pick or just laying one and a half uh, at Madison Square Garden tonight. The line is now all the way up to three. Some shops are even at one point they're inching up maybe to three and a half here. So I like this spot for Charlotte. You got three road refs. Uh, if you look at road favorites in the NBA this year, they're 53% against the spread. Nothing crazy, but they are profitable here. Uh, big difference in the offense. Charlotte is number eight offensive efficiency. Knicks are 22. And kind of similar to the game we just talked about, kind of a buy low, sell high. The Knicks have won four straight, believe it or not. Uh, Charlotte's coming off a loss. You have Charlotte 21 and 15 against the spread on the road. Knicks just 15 and 22 ATS at home. So I money line the Hornets, Pritch. I got around a minus 145 earlier today. Uh, I'll pay a little more juice for saying, hey, let's just win the game. 
Then if you're looking for one more, I know we're up against it. If you want to root for some points, Pritch, uh, I'm going to take the over in the Nuggets-Pacers game. I've seen a lot of steam to this over. It opened around 232. It's up to around 235 and a half. Reminds me a lot of that over last night with the Sixers and the Bucks. Uh, you have two of the um, top offensive efficiency teams this year. Denver is number seven. Indy is one of the worst defensive teams. They're 28th in defensive efficiency. And if you look at this big steam system, three points or more steam to the over. Uh, when you open with a total of 220 or more and rise, you're 58% this year. So I'll take the over. Uh, Indy, 11-3 and three to the over, their last 14 at home. I want a lot of points in this one, Pritch. Give me the Nuggets over. Try to find a 235.5 if you can. All right. You know, the Lakers are faltering right now. The Spurs in a nice situation too, uh, Josh Applebaum. Uh, just looking for angles here down the stretch because just a handful of games you think about, and I'm putting myself in their shoes as players uh, from a motivation standpoint. We just highlighted a couple games that have that motivation for sure. Uh, but with the Lakers faltering, uh, Josh, more emphasis on the Spurs at this point. I think so. And just, you know, look toward tonight, Pritch. You had, mm -hmm. You've got some really rever uh, good reverse line movement towards San Antonio tonight. Uh, the Grizzlies, even though they're, they're still missing John Morant, and I think Jackson's questionable for this one as well, haven't really missed a beat with these guys being out. But the Grizzlies open, laying around six and a half on the road tonight at the Spurs. The line's down to five and a half or even five at some shop. So that's notable to me because you look at BetMGM and DraftKings, about 75% of bets are just saying, hey, lay it with the Grizzlies. They're great this year. Don't worry about Ja not playing, but the line is falling to the Spurs in this spot. And the Spurs, quietly, they've won four straight. And to your point, Pritch, a motivating factor. If the Lakers are falling off a cliff, could open up, up an, op, uh, an opportunity for Popovich's team to sneak into that play-in uh, play round. So I actually lean with the points here, especially if you can find a hook with the Spurs getting five and a half. Yeah, 234 and a half is the total right there. The last 10, you think about ATS, Memphis still 7-3. and three. Uh, and then you got the Spurs four and six, though. But, I mean, Memphis without Jaw, uh, still really, really good basketball team. Uh, that's a key number, though, minus five and a half right there for the Grizzlies on the road, 234 and a half, I mentioned, uh, as a total right there. But those are the angles I'm looking at, Josh. I mean, again, as players, you, some, you know that you're out of it. We saw the motivation from the Clippers. Uh, just last night with Paul George. And so uh, those are interesting angles to me as we finish up the regular season in the association. I'm right there with you, Pritch. Again, it's kind of a weird time because you kind of know who's yep. tanking and who's ready to you know, <laughs> play golf, which, by the way, stay tuned for the last segment. I have lines on your foursome today with all your VEASAN members. <laughs> uh, I would say uh, Ben Wilson is a slight favorite here. I'll give him that. Just but a slight favorite. This, just a slight one. Yeah, yeah I got. he's got to <laughs> prove it to me first, but – uh, real quick, Pritch, Suns-Warriors, a mm -hmm. lot of movement here toward the Warriors. Warriors open like getting six and a half. They're down to plus four and a half. They're only getting about 25% of bets across the market. It's tough to bet against the Suns. Uh, they're healthy now. They're playing great. They're covering a lot of numbers. But Curry and the Warriors are very rarely a dog contrarian at home. I'd lean a little bit with the Warriors and the points here. All right, coming up on the program, we're going to get to some NFL draft uh, news, some NFL headlines as well, Josh. But uh, the draft is interesting because perhaps we might not see a quarterback be drafted in the first round. We'll get to all that coming up next. This is Betting Across America with Mike Pritchard and Josh Applebaum on VSIN, the sports betting network. 
All the action you need is at BetMGM. Sign up now using bonus code VSIN1000, and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. When you register with BetMGM, you'll also get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. Plus, you'll earn BetMGM rewards points that you can redeem for room nights and dining at MGM Resorts Nationwide. Just download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code VSIN1000 to make your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be at least 21 years old. It's a new customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Welcome back to the program. It's Betting Across America. Mike Pritchard, Josh Applebaum. So, Josh, uh, the NFL draft, we're, we're in, within a month, right? And I know that you're heavily invested in it, following all the mocks. So am I, though. So am I. Uh, here's some news, though. GM for the Lions, Brad Holmes, says team has had conversations with multiple teams about trading back from the number two overall pick. A question to you, what do you think Detroit does with that pick? You got the Giants, the Jets, the Texans, the Eagles, the Packers, the Chiefs, and the Lions uh, themselves, all with multiple picks right there in that first round. Yeah, so if I were the GM of the Detroit Lions, uh, I would look to be trading back here unless you fall in love with a player because you have so many holes to fill. Uh, you're trying to you know, create a new culture here with Mr. Kneecaps and, and cover numbers, who I'm a big fan of just in general. Uh, but unless you fall in love with a player at number two, you know, why be pigeonholed into maybe um, overvaluing a player or depending on your, your draft board, you know, like looking at these odds here, we still have this. Uh, you know, Trayvon Walker, who's been, you know, really going up these these draft boards and is now the, you know, the favorite here to be drafted second overall. Unless you love Walker or one of these other players, to me, the smart move is trade down, stockpile a bunch of picks. Uh, maybe you have or you're high on Willis here, the, the quarterback who's now a minus 200 favorite, you know, to be the first quarterback selected. Maybe if you feel like you can trade down to number five or number seven and still get your guy and then add more picks, you know, in the second or third round, that could really be a way to kind of, you know, replenish your roster here. So with so many holes to fill and it's not like a year where, you know, you have a, a blue chip number two guy and you really want to stay where you're at. I would trade down, but what are they going to do, Pritch? I have no idea. Uh, you know, you, you would think, you know, uh, maybe you're looking for a quarterback here. Maybe you go defense, but if no one jumps out to you, I would trade down. But what do you think, Pritch? Any, any tea leaves on what the Lions are going to do? Well, I'm curious about all the teams with all these multiple picks that could trade up, right, to the number two overall pick. I mean, you got guys climbing the board. Uh, you got a deep uh, draft in terms of certain positions, too, that can make it intriguing. And then the notion that, there could be no quarterback selected in the first round. Uh, Bucky Brooks from the NFL Network uh, has a mock out there with zero quarterbacks going in the first round, too. So uh, when you look at all these positions, you just wonder uh, where the value is going to be for a lot of these teams. And then also the philosophy with teams, too. Like with the Lions, I don't know what they're doing at this point. Uh, in terms of what they want to do as far as rebuilding their team. But you have teams with the philosophy, okay, let's select the best players available. Or do you actually draft for need? And then all these teams with multiple first-round picks, what are they going to do with all those picks? Are they going to package up to get one of those best players available as well? So it gets intriguing uh, to me. Uh, I think there could be so many uh, chess pieces moved around the board here for this draft, Josh. Uh, but, you know, with all these teams, especially the New York teams with multiple picks in the top 10, that one gets highly intriguing to follow as well. 
Yeah, and I think you look at the New York teams like the Jets. You know, you draft, uh, you know, uh, uh, Wilson there, number two overall. You feel like he's your guy. I don't think you can abandon uh, or give up on him so early. So are they in the market for a quarterback? Not really. You know, the Giants are a different story. Dayball's taken over. You have a couple, you know, top picks here. You know, do you see a quarterback that is worthy of uh, or you feel like is an upgrade over Daniel Jones? So maybe the Giants could be a team who uh, either, you know, uses their two picks or packages them to move up for a quarterback. Now, Pritch, let me give you an example of why I love mock draft season. You can have vastly different takes on, on, on who goes where and, you know, who gets selected. Like, for example, Bucky Brooks has no quarterbacks in round one. I'm looking at mock drafts that have Willis going second overall. <laughs> so it just goes to show you that there are completely different takes on what will happen. Uh, obviously, you know, Brooks is a guy you respect, but uh, I find it very unlikely that there's not a quarterback in round one. Like, there's actually a prop bet that I really like. They have it at BetMGM uh, over under two and a half quarterbacks selected in round one. And guess what? The juice isn't on the under. I'm sorry, Bucky Brooks. The juice is on the over, over two and a half quarterbacks at minus 200. So that's kind of telling you that they are expecting three or more in round one. And if you look at the first one, I'm pretty confident Willis will be a first round pick. He's minus 200 to be the first one selected. Mm -hmm. Had a great senior bowl. He's kind of the new wave quarterback that can run and throw. Uh, Pickett obviously has really tanked because of his hand size, but does he become a value play in the late teens or early 20s? So there's two of them. And then you're going to need Corral, you know, who some people have, you know, in the late 20s. Sam Howell, who's maybe uh, should have come out last year and had a better year than a uh, better year two years ago than last year. And then I'll throw another one at you, Pritch. Desmond Ritter. Ritter in a winning program. Uh, he's got a lot of measurables, height, weight, size, really good character guy. I think you go over two and a half. I'm actually looking at at betting that that over two and a half. I think we get three quarterbacks or more in round okay, one. Okay, you mentioned an over two and a half minus two hundred under uh, plus one sixty. Uh, okay, uh, Daniel <laughs> Jones because the Giants they reached on Daniel Jones to begin with, and and so. I mean, all these quarterbacks, you lay it out, none of these guys are a day one starter. They're not, like, out of the oven ready. I mean, I think they still need to stay in the oven a little bit longer, Josh, and, and, and get acclimated to the National Football League. So which one of these desperate teams in the first round would take a chance on this caliber of quarterback, though? I mean, you got Carolina. Uh, they're desperate, but do they really select a quarterback that high up? Uh, and then, you know, you got Atlanta, perhaps they can go after a quarterback. But uh, again, you, you have to marinate these guys a little bit longer, Josh. Uh, none of these guys, in my opinion, are ready to go. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the spot when you look at the NFL, like teams get desperate. Quarterbacks are so important. If you have a quarterback, you got a shot. If you got no quarterback, or if you have multiple quarterbacks, that tells you you don't have one and you're really behind the eight ball. So I think inevitably there's going to be a team, you know, off the top of your head, you know, Carolina, as you mentioned, comes to mind a little bit. They have been a little bit tied to Kenny Pickett, I believe. Is it the owner of Carolina or someone high up there went to Pitt? There's a connection there with, with Pickett. Uh, you know, going there. So maybe that has some value. Uh, but I think you're, it's just, there, there aren't many quarterbacks uh, out there. And I think there's gotta be a team that just says, Hey, you know, this guy could be our future. Like does someone fall in love with Malik Willis? And again, does he, does he go, you know, top 10, something like that. So it's such an important position and the, the teams are so desperate to find their answer at QB. And I think you're going to get one of these guys maybe earlier than you think. Okay. Yeah. Tepper, the owner actually went to pit. That's uh, right. From Ben yep. Wilson, our producer right there. Um, how about wide receiver? First wide receiver drafted. This gets interesting. Uh, if you're following the mocks, a lot of different opinions here. Uh, you got Wilson at plus 110, London plus 150, Burks plus 800, Williams, who's coming off an injury uh, from Alabama, plus 900, Olave 20 to 1, uh, and then Pickens rounding out the list here at 50 to 1. 
So based on the mock spread, I would go Wilson in this one. I know it's chalky. You're getting a little plus money, at least plus 110. But uh, consistently, he's kind of the first wide receiver off the board when you look at some of these teams, you know, looking to, uh, you know, increase their offense. Like, for example, the Atlanta Falcons, uh, they have they could be linked to Wilson here. You can pair maybe your future with Pitts and Wilson as a good one-two combo. Drake London has a lot of size, but he is injured. Traylon Burks, what does he wear, Pritch? Like 20 XL gloves. Maybe he could be a guy that is a good pick in the late teens. Jamison Williams, obviously, if he didn't have the ACL tear, he could probably he would probably be the favorite to win this thing. Now, I'm I'll defer to you because you're my my co-host and my former NFL wide receiver. But I would say I hope Chris Olave falls to the Patriots at 21. <laughs> they haven't made any moves at wide receiver. Uh, so I think Olave really is a good route runner, maybe kind of that Edelman type guy who can play in the slot and be uh, also play outside. So I'm hoping Olave falls to the Pats. But Pritch, I'd go Wilson in this one. But what do you think? I'll defer to you, the, the former wide receiver. Well, Wilson, he is dynamic. I, I think the scouts and, and a lot of people with the mocks, they like London and his size. Uh, he can play inside, he can play outside, but they like his size, run after the catch ability too, uh, I think is featured right there. Wilson probably uh, gives you the more bang for your buck, if you will, in terms of a home run hitter right away. Uh, all these guys are going to be ready to go, though, uh, certainly. But uh, Williams, I'm, I'm not going to bet him at all because he's coming off that ACL. I know he's a burner, though. Uh, Josh, and, and the league loves that speed right there. So depending on how that rehab is going for him, maybe you can get some information on that. Uh, but I agree with you. Wilson, probably the most complete uh, receiver if you're looking for somebody to make that impact like we saw from Jamar Chase last year. Yeah, and again, I think that's what you're really looking for. It's an it's a offensive-driven league. It's a quarterback-driven right. league. We see how important wide receivers are and what a difference a guy like Jamar Chase made for Burrow. Uh, Pritch, I know we're up against it. I, I'll throw one at you on it late on a Thursday before we get out of here. First running back selected. Uh, Brees Hall from Iowa State, mm -hmm. most complete running back. He's been the first uh, running back I've seen coming off the board at a lot of mock drafts. Brees Hall at BetMGM is minus 275 to be the first running back selected. The next guy is Kenneth Walker at plus 250. Then there's no one better than plus 1,000 there. So I know it's a minus number, but I'd be looking at Brees Hall, first running back taken. All right. Well, we get a, a running back taken in the first round. What do you think? Ooh, maybe, maybe not. It really, the trend is that it, is that it doesn't happen, Pritch, but we, we shall see. Yeah, the game is one on the edges these days, Josh. Great job. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Good luck. Appreciate it, Pritch. Good luck tonight. Thank you very much. The Edge coming up next.